Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Blessed Is She That Believes. Season one, we're on episode eight. I titled this one, The Midwife Anointing. So we're gonna get into that today and we're gonna talk about the midwife anointing. First, we're going to start with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for this time. I thank you for this moment, this opportunity, Father. I pray that you bless everyone who is listening, Father God. And if someone does not know you through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that they turn their hearts toward the cross, Father God. Lord, use me as your vessel. Put your words in my mouth, Father God. Open to us wondrous things out of your law, Father God. Lord, I just thank you right now for your ears to hear and your eyes to see, your your words to speak, Father God. Lord, I thank you that your word does not return unto you void. It does not hit the ground, Father God. You use every part of all of our testimonies, Father God. Nothing is wasted. And I thank you and I glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, first, before we really get into this... I just want y'all to be reminded that I want you to like, share, and leave comment, leave messages, anything for me to read. Um, let me know how I'm doing. I know there were some glitches um, before. I don't know what was going on with my um, recording sessions, but um, it's still some like challenges when I download stuff. It's not coming through. So anyway, just like and share this podcast with your friends. Like I said, I'm trying to get to LaTerrace's yellow couch by the end of the year. (laughs) If I don't, I don't, but I really just want people to hear the word of God and just share my testimony. To be honest, that's what I'm working on. It's just sharing my testimony with people who need to hear it. Um, especially young women. Um, of course guys, you can hear it too, but, um, just young women who need to be encouraged. Um, women, young women, seasoned women. That's what I call women who are older seasoned. Cause you know, you've been cooking for a long time. So <laughs> just anyone who needs to hear it, just know that the trials and tribulations that you go through in life, they're to make you stronger. They're to make you wiser. And I'm not going to sing any of Christina Aguilera song stronger, but I mean, it's the truth. Like, we don't see it that way because we can't see it that way, but that's what it's doing. And I know it seems crazy, especially if it causes heartache and pain. How can that make it? It does. Uh, if you listen to last week's episode of my pain was the comfort, his passion was to save, um, episode seven, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's weird. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense, but we're we're just we're i mean this is life we're in a fallen world so things happen but the experiences where we gain the knowledge and we gain the strength to move forward and choose wiser when it comes like to heartache and um heartbreak so with that being said it actually touches on a couple of things that i want to talk about on this podcast today <sighs> first we're going to start in exodus chapter one know if y'all have ever read exodus but exodus is a trip okay this is like where we find out how the hebrews are where they are how they got there um which towards the end of genesis we see that joseph was already in egypt and he had his brothers come to egypt um his dad died isaac died and so was it isaac i can't remember right now y'all I can't remember right now. I told y'all I had such. I can't remember. I've been asleep for so long. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get my life together here. But um, Joseph's daddy. Okay. We're just going to say Joseph's daddy. <laughs> I think it, it might have been Jacob. It was Jacob. Isaac was um, Jacob's daddy. I'm getting all of them confused. It's, it's a big old giant family. Okay. So anyway, Jacob or Israel. Um Joseph's dad, he died in their homeland, you know, their, their country land. But Joseph was already in Egypt because he was sold into slavery. And then he was um, made like second in command under Pharaoh. So he was like, if Pharaoh died, then Joseph would have been like Pharaoh, basically. Um, so he had his brothers and their families come. And that's basically how they got there. And you see the lineage and everything in the beginning part of chapter one of Exodus. But 
verse eight. Well, let's start at verse seven. It says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. So they was just taking over Egypt. Okay. Now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. That's verse eight all by itself. He ain't know nothing about Joseph. He ain't care to know about Joseph. He, who was Joseph to him? And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Verse 10, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Now, my first thing is, if you thinking like this about these people, then how are you treating them to begin with? That you would think that they would switch sides. Mm, 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 mm. For any business owners, any bosses, anyone who is in charge of anyone on when it comes to a job, think about how you're treating your employees. Because if that's the first thought, they're going to switch and go to another company, then how are you treating them? Mm. How are you treating them? That should never even be a thought. You should be treating your employees so well. They that's never a thought to you. Like if they leave, then that's their loss. Like I ain't saying just let them do whatever they want to do, but how are you speaking to them? How are you like when one of them gets sick in their home? Do you send them like a get well soon card? Do you send them a get well soon text message? Do you call them and check on them and ask them if they need anything? How are you treating your employees? See, I ain't even got no notes. You want to know why I don't have no notes? Because every time I make notes, nothing goes nothing goes right with the notes. Okay, I end up taking these bird walks. That was not in my metaphorical notes. Okay, now that's the first thing he's thinking is that wait a minute. If we have a fight, if we have a war with our enemies, they're gonna leave us. They're gonna fight against us. And we're going to lose because it's a lot of them. So in verse 11, he says, therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. That was verse 13. Verse 14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Verse 15, and the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. This is what we're going to talk about today. Of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. But saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt in verse 18 called for the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? Verse 19, the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Verse 20, therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass in verse 21, because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. In verse 22, and Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Whew, it's a lot to unpack. Golly. First of all, I'm going to say this. If you have the, if you don't have the blue letter Bible, you need to get the blue letter Bible. It's on like the web, it's on, you know, the internet, but you need to download that app because it intensifies the study. I'm telling you, it intensifies your study. So, the midwife anointing. This is, I put this together. Listen, it might be wrong for all you Bible scholars, people who have degrees in theology, and I, okay, okay, whatever. I'm just going by what I know the Lord told me to write because I wrote this like, I don't know, like 2020. So 2021, 
is I wrote it like so I know the Lord gave it to me to put posts because it was on my um Instagram account and I'm expounding upon it today. Um the midwife anointing. Before I, you know what, actually, let me back up. I, I have to keep backing up like a dump truck, okay? Let me just back this up because it's some things I need to get into before we get to the midwives once again. Like, it's a lot to unpack, okay? And I'm really excited because I was studying. I said, oh, I got to go do this podcast like right now. Okay, now, when I first read today, when I was reading and studying, preparing for this podcast, When I go back to verses um, 11 through 14, before we get to the midwives, when when it tells the reader, when it tells us what the Pharaoh did, he set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick. And all men of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. When I look the word rigor up, because, you know, I'm a teacher, so... We supposed to, you know, you have to teach your children with rigor because we want them to excel academically and everything. So our lesson plans have to be made with rigor. Rigor means strictness, severity, or harshness as in dealing with people. The full or extreme severity of laws, rules, etc. Severity of living conditions, hardship, austerity. A severe or harsh act circumstance. Scrupulous or inflexible accuracy or adherence. Severity of weather or or climate or an instance of this. A sudden coldness as that preceding certain fevers or chill. A state of rigidity in muscle tissues during which they are unable to respond to stimuli due to the coagulation of muscle protein stiffness or rigidity. Um, that was one set of rigor. And then you have the other set which has to do with your wellness and everything. Okay. Now, rigor, when I say we teach the kids with rigor, it means that we don't allow time for just superfluous, like it's not just messing around and everything. Like that's what I'm talking about. But these children of Israel, these Hebrews, they were like commanded, no, y'all going to do this, this, and this. It was very severe. And it says like the first definition, strictness or severity or harshness as in dealing with people. Severe living conditions, hardship, austerity. Um, they were, I mean, conditions that we can't even imagine. And this is, this is like, like, I, I don't even know, to be honest. I mean, I thought living in my mama house was bad, you know, with all those chores, but that, that's a cushy life compared to what they had to endure and I'm going to talk about slavery a little bit later because it it does have some it does have merit with this conversation these these Hebrews were tortured in a sense to make that stuff happen that you see in Egypt and you go on the tours and yeah people put that together blood sweat and tears literally um a lot of times we feel like we are I and I'm I'm gonna say this because this this just grinds my gears, okay? A lot of people say God gives his hardest battles to his toughest soldiers. Please stop saying that. Because what you're actually doing is you're elevating yourself. You're putting yourself on a pedestal because you have something real difficult to go through. So how does that make people who what we deem is not going through something. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it starts categorizing what you go through. Oh, well, that's nothing. That might be something for them. So we we got to stop doing that. Don't say that because that's not even in the Bible. He won't put more on you than you can bear. Yes, he will. <laughs> you want to know why? Because we have Jesus Christ. That's who we have. It says we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So, yeah, it will 
feel like it's more than we can bear, but that's why we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. We got to stop saying that. Don't say stuff like that. I know it's a popular song and they be, they be having a shout on at the end of the song, but that's not biblically accurate. It's not biblically sound. He won't put more on you than you can. What you mean? Cause the stuff I've been going through, I feel like it's a little bit too much. I'm like, can you find somebody else to do this? Cause this is a little tough, but I get through it. I mean, let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Cause I mean, who, how many of us are going to be willing to go into a furnace? How many of us are going to be willing to sit in the alliance then? Okay, I don't see nobody hands raised, even though I can't see y'all, period. But I know y'all ain't raising y'all hand. And if you got your hand raised, you lying. So, <laughs> I didn't raise my hand for that because I don't want to go through that. We don't want to go through anything. Let's just be honest. We don't want to go through anything. We don't want to go through anything hard. We don't, especially as children of God. Those who have accepted Jesus, we think because we accepted Jesus, we got this lush cushion like the devil is a liar. Don't let them people lie to you like that in the church. You're going to go through some stuff. You might have to go through illness. You might not have been sick your whole entire life, but when you accept Jesus, you might get a terminal illness. Who knows? I'm not speaking that, but I'm just using it as an example. Who knows? We have to go through so that way God can be glorified. How else do you get oil from an olive? It has to be crushed. How else do you get wine from a grape? Or juice from a grape, it has to be crushed. If there's no crushing, there's no oil. Whew, Jesus. These people were being crushed under the burden. They were grieved. They were they were tired. Their lives, because of all of this rigor, because of all of this stuff they had to go through, it made their lives bitter. It made their lives bitter. They hated life. They hated waking up in the morning. They probably wished they would die in the middle of the night. So they wouldn't have to do the stuff that they had to do. All that service wherein they were made, they wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Everything they did was with harshness. It was with strictness. There were no off days for them. Yet and still, they multiplied. Have you ever noticed that when you're going through hard things, it seems like Oh my gosh, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Oh my gosh, when is this? Something happens in an area that you were least expecting it and you get the Lord blesses you in that area. It's crazy, ain't it? It's like, I see where you are. I know where you are, but you got to go through that. You got to get that pressure. Pressure makes diamonds. You got to go through that. But while you're going through, I'm going to give you some hope. Let me let me increase this over here for you so you can have some hope. With every baby those Hebrew women birthed out, that was the birth of hope. That was the birth of something great. That was the birth of something new. Maybe this child will get us out of here. Maybe my son will be the deliverer. Maybe my daughter will be the savior of our people. Who knows? But every time those women pushed out a baby, they were pushing out hope. They were pushing out courage. They were pushing out strength. And that's what we do. Every time we're going through something and we still can smile in people's face, we still get up and praise God another day. We're doing the same thing. I don't know what this day may bring forth, but I do know I'm here. So I'm here for purpose on purpose and with purpose. Every single day you wake up and open your eyes. That's how you need to be getting up. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care because I've had to do that myself and it's hard. It is so hard, but you got to do that because you got to let the enemy know that you're not going down without a fight. You're going to keep fighting. You're going to keep knocking and bucking. Okay. I'm sorry. I did that. I shout out to cry mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you got, you have to, it's a fight. I told y'all. I keep telling y'all because I want you to really get that in. This is a spiritual fight and you got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. So this leads me to verses 15 to the rest of the chapter with these midwives. Now, a midwife, you know, I don't know why everything has to have an ad on it because 
I'll tell you what. Anyway, <laughs> my little dictionary app. So a midwife is a person trained to assist women in childbirth, a person or thing that produces or aids in producing something new or different. Oh, we gonna stop with that definition right there. Mm. I love that definition. The second one, a person or thing that produces or aids in producing something new or different. That's what a midwife does. That's who a midwife is. And give me like two seconds. I'm trying to pull this up. To produce means to bring into existence, to give rise to, to cause, to make, to bring forth. Mm. Who is just, y'all don't even understand. I'm seeing so much stuff in my head right now. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like just popping off, popping off. Okay, Lord, let me get to it. Let me get to it. Let me get to it. So we see in verse 15, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shipra and the name of the other Pua. We got two specific names. Why them? Why were these two women mentioned? See, that's why I have a hard time with pastors or preachers or ministers who speak against women leadership because how how these two their names didn't even have to be mentioned because it just said the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives but they specifically named Shipra and Pua don't you ever think that you are not seen ah don't you ever think that you're not seen? Don't you ever think that your job is not good enough for you to step into the spotlight? Because when it's your time, you're going to be mentioned. You're going to be called out. You're going to be on that red carpet and they're going to be looking at you, evaluating you, getting ready to promote you. Golly. Don't ever think that you go unnoticed. Out of all the Hebrew midwives, Shipper and Pua were mentioned. Their names forever will be in the Bible as the two Hebrew midwives who did not do what Pharaoh commanded them to do. And that is a whole argument within itself. And we're going to get into that. So he told them and he said, when you do the office of midwife, when you go to deliver these babies, kill all the boys and, you know, keep the daughters alive because we can use them as slaves. That's basically what he said. I'm just breaking it down. That's not any version. That's that's my version. That's the Stephanie version. Okay. Kill the boys. Save the girls. But. The midwives feared God. And did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. But saved the men children alive. A lot of people. In the commentary I'm going to read to you. A lot of people. Have had an argument about that um i want to pause on that and go back to the commentary though because oh man this commentary was good the commentary is by mr chuck smith and mr chuck smith said because see i also had questions with with the pharaoh commanding for these um women for not for the women but commanding the children of israel to do hard labor because i remember when i played basketball and track and volleyball i did three i was a three sporter okay in the school year i was a student athlete when you are working hard like that you don't realize the condition your body is in your body is in top physical peak okay you don't realize it you just like oh my gosh i gotta go to another weight training oh i gotta work out again oh we got another practice ah yeah you know i actually miss those days Shouts out to my coach for making us run all the way from one gym to the track at the college across the street, back to the gym and doing weights. Like shout out, shouts out to her. I miss those days. I couldn't stand it when I was in it, but now 20 years later and I'm looking at and hearing how my knees, oh y'all, if you are a young person, if you are a teenager, I can't believe I say young person, bless my heart. If you are a teenager and you are hearing this, you better continue to work out like that. You better you better keep going to the... Don't you stop. Because it's going to catch up with you. Take it from somebody who knows. Take it from a former student athlete. 
Take it from a former student athlete. I'm telling you, you cannot, man, it's crazy out here in these streets of former student athletes because, (laughs) I mean, I can't believe, and I wasn't fast. I actually ended up having to walk around that track, or not the track, but the trail. It was like a over a mile trail. So from where our school was, we had to run from the high school through the middle school across the street to the college and then run to the starting part of the trail, which was a mile and some change and then do everything in reverse. Went, no, we'll meet at the, the trail at no, you, we running. And here's the thing. Our coach ran with us. She ran with us and did the weights with us. She did the exercises with us. Like in order to lead you have got to be in the trenches with the people that you're, you're commanding. You have to. And I believe that's why the Lord chose Moses. Because he had to set him apart. But Moses was still Hebrew. He still knew what it was like to see. Walk. I mean, Moses was in there too. Moses was still in there. That's why when Moses disobeyed, he still got the same punishment that everybody else got. Yeah, you're not going to the promised land, sir. If you're going to be a leader, you got to know how to lead with your people. You got to know how to serve. You got, you have to. Because why would people listen to you if you're not willing to serve? My favorite part in Remember the Titans is when Julius and, um, I can't think of his name. Ah, Gary, Julius and Gary, they had this conversation. Gary's like, let's get some particulars. You know, you're Julius, I'm Gary, da-da-da-da. And Julius said, no, 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 no. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. That's my favorite line in that movie. Attitude reflects leadership. If you're not willing to serve, you cannot be the leader. I'm sorry, you can't. And that leads me to say this with this commentary it was hard for me to understand why Pharaoh would put so much weight on the children is because I'm thinking about my time being a student athlete. That was the top part of my like conditioning. My gosh, like I was in top physical shape in high school because I did three sports. And if, when I dropped basketball, I did volleyball and track. So I was still doing two sports. You know, and I was in top physical shape. I put a little bit of weight on not doing that basketball. That basketball, oh, jeez, bless it. That basketball was no joke, but I was still in good shape. But when I came out of high school and went to college where I did no sports, Taco Bell and Krispy Kreme in Savannah, down the street from Armstrong, cross the street from Ar- listen. Shouts out to Armstrong forever. Like Armstrong forever will be. Okay. A A S U. Man. Freshman 15. Pff, freshman 30. <laughs> what workout? I went to the gym maybe like three times when I got to Savannah, man. Please. I love you know, I actually started off here at the college here. And I, I got to the point, like, I got on Weight Watchers and everything. I lost, like, 30 pounds in less than six months because I was working out twice a day. I ain't had no job. I, I mean, I had a student, student worker job. But, man, please, get out of here. When I went to Savannah and I ain't had that, that structure, oh, oh, who wasn't doing And see, oh, man, this, take, this is taking me. When you don't have structure, there's no order. When you don't have order, the people go wild. I mean, let's look at it. Were the Hebrews and, you know, just, just listen to what I'm saying. Were the Hebrews doing what they were supposed to be doing when they went to the wilderness? No, they weren't. They were always disobedient. They were always trying to make an idol out of gold. Thanks, Aaron. You know, they were always trying to do something that they wanted to do. But when they were under this rigorous, horrible stuff, they stayed in line. And I hate to even have to say that because I know people are like, oh my gosh, so you think they should have been? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is look at your life. When the Lord comes in and does a clean sweep of your life, 
and you have that order and structure, when you first get saved, you cut everything out, don't you? You cut everything out. I remember I threw all my CDs away. I threw every CD that went in praise of God, I threw it in the trash. And then, once I started growing in Christ, guess what happened? Oh, I, I can listen to this. I, I'm a bought the CD. I know some of y'all don't know what CDs are, but listen, you're going to have to Google it, okay? I ain't got time. But I started letting that stuff slowly creep in. Started listening to secular music a little bit. Oh, I got it under control now. I know what I'm doing. Really? Do you? You only you only been saved for like what five years? That might equate to one year in in spiritual um, warfare. But seriously, I mean, when you are constantly under attack by the from the enemy, the enemy is constantly on your neck. You run to that cross. You cling to the cross, don't you? Yeah, you do. Because you're like, no, Lord, I need this pain to go. And when the Lord moves the pain, what happened? You get lazy. You let your guard down. You come off the wall. I'm just saying, because the commentator, Mr. Smith, says it perfectly clear. He says, um, when Pharaoh really began to afflict them, to oppress them, to lay upon them heavy burdens, to make their life rather hard, and miserable for them by inflicting heavy slave labor upon them. Everything they did, they had to do it with rigor. Now, it is interesting that under these conditions, the children of Israel continue to multiply and grow. Probably one of the greatest weakening things that can happen to a nation is prosperity. Nations seem to become strong and grow under adversity. The same seems to be true of the church. In the early history of the church, the church was going through such severe persecution by the Roman government. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. Tremendous growth in the church, in the early church. But when the church began to be prosperous, Christianity to be, began to be accepted religion, almost a state religion. In fact, in many areas, it did become the state religion. And in all of those areas, the church became weak. Prosperity has a tendency to, of softening people, whereas adversity has a tendency of doing the opposite, making the people strong. So the Pharaoh in his endeavor to weaken them by the heavy labor and the rigorous labor working with bricks and stones and really putting heavy burdens on them did not have the desired effect of weakening them but actually just made them so much stronger they really got they really all got in just tremendous shape and tremendous condition so the very thing that's meant to break you is actually strengthening you the very thing that's meant to kill you is actually making you more alive in christ it's crazy isn't it think about king david King David was supposed to go to war, but he decided to stay home because, I mean, he really ain't had to fight no more. You know, I did all of that when I was young. I remember I used to do all of that stuff. I did all of that when I was younger. I'm just going to sit this one out. You're a man of war. That's the Bible describes David as a man of war. Why are you at home? Oh, you at home because you about to have an affair with your homeboy wife. Because... When you go and research David's men, David had an army, but then David had a group of men that were like dedicated, their whole lives were dedicated to David. And Uriah was one of those men. He was one of those men. He went and slept with his homeboy wife. That's why Uriah wouldn't go home or anything because he was so dedicated and so loyal to his king. He was like, nah, I can't be cushy cushy at home with my wife and, my, and the men are out there dying on the field. I need to be out there with the men. Like, why you got me here, King? That's, if David would have took his behind the war, he wouldn't have been. But see, that's what happens when you don't have that structure, when you don't have that rigorous structure, because you got to train to be in war. You don't just go out there with a sword and start slinging it. No, especially with those weapons, because back then, the weapons was heavy. You had to be in shape to, to wield a sword. No, I said wield a sword. That's funny. Anyway, you had to be you had to be in shape to wield one of them things. That's heavy. You hurt yourself if you weren't in shape. So when you stay in shape, you're you you multiply in strength, basically. But prosperity tends to weaken us. If you look at Asa, Asa is in um first or second chronicles. I can't remember exactly which book. But King Asa did everything right in the sight of the Lord. He tore down all the idols and all of the, um, whatever they call them, the groves. He tore everything down. He made everything right. And he, he listen, he did everything right in the sight of God. But once the Lord started allowing him to prosper, mm, 
them idols started going back up slowly and sure oh one won't hurt two won't hurt over there nobody sees it a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and that's kind of what happened with the children of israel and i hate to say that the the hebrews because while they were under that horrible those rigorous conditions they were calling out to the lord they were calling out to for saving they were seeking him first they were obedient and as soon as he let them go free in the, in the wilderness they they did what they wanted to do and it, the bible actually says that the lord took them on a longer route he didn't take them on a short route they didn't have a shortcut they went the long way because the lord had to work that stuff out of them and unfortunately, a lot of them may make it to the promised land, including Moses and his brother Aaron, because they were disobedient. They were just too disobedient. Now, let's get into the midwives once again. We're going to try again. And it says, um, oh, which also, let me jump back. The women... Well, no, this has to do with the midwives too. So let me, yeah, this does have to do with the midwives. Midwives, like I said, they produce new things. And producing means to bring forward, to present, um, and to provide, to cause, to accrue, to give birth to, to bring forth, to make or manufacture, to bring into existence by intellectual or creative ability, to bring into existence or give rise to, to cause. That's what a midwife does when they produce. That's what the production is. That's the definition of production. So when you are a midwife, when you have a midwife anointing, you are basically a coach in the spirit. And you can coach people into their destiny. You can coach people into their greatness. That's what a midwife anointing does. I believe I have that because I can hear people say, tell me what's going on with, you know, and tell me what they're gifted in or whatever. And it's like the Holy Spirit just drops an idea. I did that with a coworker. Um, she loves dogs. And she said, man, I would love to just have a dog grooming service. And it's like, boom, the, the Lord showed me a whole business plan. I gave it to her. And he does that a lot of times. He allows me to introduce people who have similar gifts and talents. And then they take off running with whatever it is. Like, that's that's an anointing. That is something that the Lord, I do believe, has given me. I know people like that who do that with me. They speak stuff like, okay, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z. When I do it, it, it just prospers. They have a midwife anointing too. Like, if you have a midwife anointing, you got to protect it. And you got to ask for discernment because the Lord may not want you to help other people that way. He may have somebody else on that assignment. And if you help them, you're actually going to interfere with what the Lord is doing in their life. So um, the other definition, like I said, is a person or thing that produces or aids in producing something new or different. <laughs> you have to pray for discernment, like I said. When it comes to your friends and seek out the midwife spirit in them. Some of your friends have a midwife spirit. They have a midwife anointing on their lives. I have, Like I said, I have a couple of them. And one in particular I'm thinking of, like, she doesn't even know how much she blesses me. She, she just really doesn't know how much she blesses me. And she, like, pushes me into another level, another realm. It's actually two of them I'm thinking of right now. They push me into another realm, another level of the Lord when they speak. They make me want to go that much harder. They make me want to push into it. They make me want to tap into the spirit that much harder because of what they say. They don't even realize it. And I'm so grateful for them. And um, you need people like that in your life. They just naturally push you into your purpose. They encourage you. They pray for you when you have no more fight left in you to pray for yourself. They tag into the ring to fight. They stay on the wall when you need to rest. You know, in the military... Going from what one of my friends who's a Marine, she told me when they were in, um, when they're out in the field and when they even had to go off to other countries, when they got to stay up all night on watch, you know what they do? They lean up against each other so they can stay awake. And one says, I take this shift, you take the, you know, like they switch off on sleep, but they lean their back up against it. That's what a midwife does. Um, they will literally hold you up. They force you to believe in yourself when you can't believe anymore. Those individuals or these individuals are truly gifted. And if you find that you don't have someone in your friend group who has that 
that midwife anointing, you need to seek the Lord because everyone needs a midwife. Everyone needs somebody who's going to push them past their, their quote unquote limits. Because see, we put limits on ourselves, but we can actually go further than that. I think about the movie um, Facing the Giants. I Y'all, I love that movie. I would watch that movie every single day because I get something totally different every single day. But it's one part in the movie where they do what they call the death crawl. That's where one of the bigger football players puts a smaller football player on his back and they crawl to the 50-yard line. I think it was the 50 or the 20-yard line, something like that. This particular guy, he's the captain of the team and he's just speaking negative, negative, negative. And the coach, the coach says, all right, come on up, come on up, get um your partner and y'all come on. All right. I'm going to give you $50. If you can get to the 50 yard line doing the death crawl, he said, easy. I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that. He said, you want me to go to 50? Oh, okay. He said, yeah, but you got to do it a blindfold. Blindfold. Okay. So they get going. He starts out strong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the guy is little that's on his back, but by the time he got to that 50 yard line, which we never see him get to the 50 yard line. That's the thing. The coach is on him. He's like, come on, come on, come on. You can go. He said, we ain't got to the 50. He said, don't worry about the 50. You just give me everything that you got. You give me everything that you got. By the end of this whole scene, he has made it to the other end of the field. He's made it to the other side. He's made it to the end zone. And his coach gets down on the ground with him. And he said, don't you ever tell me what you cannot do when I just saw you carry a 120-pound man on your back across the field and you want to sit here and tell me during the games that you ain't got nothing left you better put everything on the line that's what a midwife does and then here's the thing the little boy who was on his back said coach i'm 135 pounds what it's crazy we will limit ourselves because we think okay it hurts so i'm gonna stop no that's when you need to dig in and keep fighting you got to dig in and keep pushing. And that's what a midwife does. They push you. And here's the other thing. So you got all these people multiplying in Egypt. And it seems that where women are forced, this is continuing with Mr. Smith's commentary. It seems that where women are forced into hard labor and all, their body condition becomes such that they can have a baby and go back to work. Out in New Guinea, where the ladies do much, so much of the farming and so much of the work, they'll have their baby and they'll go right. They'll snap strap, they'll strap it right on their back and go back out and work again in the fields. That's what they because their body is conditioned to that. And I know this is where I said I was going to bring in slavery. Those women did not get a day or two off because they had a baby. Uh no, you're gonna go back out there and pick some more cotton. You and the child if the child got some fingers, and I ain't trying to be disrespectful or nothing, but that was the attitude they had towards these women. They had to keep working. It was it was life or death for them. It was life or death. They couldn't afford to my body hurt. No, your body don't hurt. You keep out, you keep going. You keep you keep going. It it that pain a fade. And that's that's a that's the reason why black women have this uh I can't think of the word. This um title I'll, I'll say and i don't even like using this title the strong black woman why because everyone in the world knows that black women make stuff happen and this ain't about race or nothing but everybody knows that black women make stuff happen it don't matter how much we're hurting we could be on our deathbed but we are still going to get up and go in that kitchen and fix food for our family because that's what we know and that's not right that is so unhealthy and I am so sorry that so many black women had to do that for centuries because it was life or death. We should also have an opportunity to rest. We should. That is a, it's a stigma. That's what I'm saying. The strong black woman is a stigma that has been put on us. That's why we have so many black women dying on tables when they go in to have their babies because, oh, what a medical field feels like your bodies can take that more so than women of other races that's a lie from the enemy we are women we are human beings and we have feelings and we hurt too period period it needs to stop that stigma needs to stop because so many black women are dying from depression are dying from suicidal thoughts because they they have so many burdens on them 
that they feel like they got to do it all. You don't have to do it all, sis. That's why Jesus is here because the Bible says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He sees you. He knows where you are. You cannot do it. Our bodies were not made to carry that burden, to carry these weights. Our bodies were not. That's another tactic from the enemy to kill us off. And it's got to stop. Cash your cares on Jesus. That, that cross is so much. You got to cash your cares on him. You got to. So here we are with Shipper and Pua getting called back to the floor. And Pharaoh asked them, all right, now I know I told y'all to kill these men. I know I told you to kill these male childs. Why, why is this not happening? And they're like, look, um, we don't know what y'all came, we don't know where y'all came from, but y'all Egyptian women ain't as lively as the Hebrew women. And when they say lively, they're meaning physically active, like physically their bodies just push the babies out before they can get there. Like, boom. Because we know, as the commentary just said, when a woman is really in shape, and this does this is not every case. But a lot of times when a woman is physically um, active with, you know, working out and doing stuff anyway, when she gets pregnant, the doctor even allows her to continue doing stuff, not at that level of intensity, but she could continue to work out. Now, if you hadn't been doing the thing you said in Terry, you just been sitting around doing nothing, then to start a workout regimen when you get pregnant, it could be risky. But if your body was already conditioned to working out, you can keep going. Just not at that intensity level. I saw a woman that was pregnant doing splits and stuff. I'm like, hold up now. Wait a minute. That ain't right. But if your body is already trained and conditioned to do that. So it ain't nothing for a woman who is physically um, fit to push out a baby. Not that she ain't going to have complications. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like as far as your body being physically ready to push a baby out that's very possible so the debate here is that these women lied to pharaoh i i have to agree with mr smith with this with if they lied we know lying is a sin so if they lied why would god bless them because it clearly says in verse um 20 that therefore god dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty and it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. He blessed those midwives with their own families. Why would the Lord bless a mess like a lie? The Lord is not going to bless you in your sin. So how is it that they could have lied? They didn't lie. They told him the truth. Now, my thing is they feared the Lord. They reverenced the Lord. Thou shalt not kill. Boom. Okay. We ain't killing no babies because the Lord didn't tell us to do that. So these women had a relationship with the Lord. They had a relationship with the Lord. So they were able to discern if that was God's will or not, which they already knew off top that was not going to be God's will. So they were able to discern. You have to have a relationship with the Lord to be able to discern. And because they were able to discern, they knew, no, we got, we can't do that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Even though the Bible says later in the New Testament, servants um, submit yourselves to your masters, obey them who have rule over you. They did obey. They just weren't in place to deliver the babies because the women gave birth to the babies before they got there. So they weren't lying because if they were lying. The Lord wouldn't have blessed them. Why would the Lord bless them if they were lying? Does that make sense? No. Why is the Lord going to bless sin? He'll bless sin. That, I mean, he blessed me with my sin when I was in sin, like doing, you know, living however I want. He blessed me in that. I, if nothing else, I kept running in the walls. So I don't know what in the world, but hey, look, I'm just telling you from my perspective, uh, they didn't lie. Now they may have arrived to the homes too late. They might've took the long way. They might've took the scenic way to get to the house to deliver babies, but they didn't lie because the babies were already delivered. So there you go. So it, it was to the point where Pharaoh just said, you know what? I can't depend on y'all. Everybody killed the male babies. How about that? He charged all his people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. It says he charged all his people. 
So he was charging the Hebrew women. I'm gonna make y'all do it to your own selves. Nope. He had to change route because they weren't gonna do it. He saw that. <sighs> so we see here midwives, people who are in your corner who have discerning spirits who are able to discern what the father is trying to do in your life because they're able to discern that they were blessed if you are a midwife I like I told you I know I have that anointing it's almost like you see everyone that you have spoken to getting blessed and it's like where is mine where is my it's coming and I know you've heard that so many times, but it is. It's coming. The Lord dealt well with the midwives because they were obedient to him. You hear how obedience is the main thing? They were obedient to him. And because they feared God, they reverenced him, he made them houses. He had them, they, he gave them a household to take care of. He blessed their wombs. He blessed them with husbands. Because they were obedient to him. You have to live in obedience. As a midwife, it is your job to be obedient to the Lord. It's everybody's job, but it's specifically your job because he's using you during this season to be a blessing to others. And it may seem like you are waiting forever on your blessing to show up while everybody you're talking to, you're speaking a word into, they're moving and the Lord is growing them and, and thriving, but your time is coming don't think that what you've been doing has gone unseen gone unnoticed it's coming your time is coming all right so that was that was what I, that's everything i had to say with this i believe i think that's that's all the lord wanted me to get out so i want y'all to tune in next week please let your friends and family know um share and like this podcast like i said before and I will talk to y'all next week. Have a great evening, day, work week, whatever your case may be. Have a great one of those. Love y'all.